Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Recycling. It's in the news today in the city of Calgary. They announced today that after storing 2,000 tons of plastic, that the city doesn't know what they're going to do with them. We got all the plastic. Now what? So we'll dig a little bit more into that story in a little bit, though. First, though, I wanted to bring on to the show Lorenzo Domini, Vice President, Recycling Council of Alberta, and Manager of Material Processing and Municipal Development at GFL Environmental, Inc. Uh, that is a massive title, Lorenzo. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the more words, the merrier, I guess. Yeah, it sounds like you're recycling jobs, even. Um, <laughs> so what? That's a recycle joke. <laughs> um so the city has come out with some information today about uh, all kinds of clamshell containers. These are the kinds of containers that your berries come in. Yeah, um, that's correct. Yeah, and so it's a, why can't we recycle them? Well, China implemented a series of bans on many different grades of plastic, including any materials that were unsorted. And a lot of times the recycling plants here in North America had adopted the strategy of just sorting the plastic containers into a mixed grade. It could be grade one, two, all the way between grade one and seven. And just sending it to China, who would then uh, sort it further into its its separate grades. So China no longer is willing to do that. They banned the import of mixed materials because they were receiving a lot of contamination and they have a lot of environmental problems with the processing of the plastic. So once they did that, it really stymied a lot of the outlets for the material. Meanwhile, for the period of time, you know, the last 15 years that China has been accepting that mixed plastic material, the domestic guys that used to process the, the separated materials, they had a very little feedstock. And so their investments in being able to recycle those plastics went down because all the material was going to China. So then when China closed the door, now we don't have any, you know, sort of local capacity. And so we're in this moment where it's hard to find a home for it. So China used to buy so much, there was no market for it here. So everyone kind of got out of that game. And now yeah. China doesn't want it. And everyone's like, well, I'm out. Is that right? That's basically it. Yeah. Hmm. So I'm going to ask some questions here because recycling does not function the way that I thought it did. So these might be simple questions to you, but I'm very certain that I'm not alone when it comes to the audience in these questions. You said contamination. What is, um, what is contamination in plastics? Well, it could be, so there's benign and malicious contamination is one way that you look at it when you're providing a curbside program. Malicious contamination is something that you ought to know shouldn't go in. Clothing, or food items, something like that. Okay. Um, and as you're sorting the material, some of it sticks to the plastic, or as you try to grab a container, or as a piece of equipment sorts a container, something else goes along for the ride. And so a little bit of that ends up in your bale of end-finished sorted plastics. It's not completely 100% clean. Okay. 
So that's one form of contamination. Benign contamination, it's, it's not really intended to cause a problem. It's sort of wish cycling. I don't really know if this is recyclable, but I think it might be. Let's throw it in. Yeah. So it could be the wrong grade of plastic or a plastic that wasn't stamped or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it could be a rubber item. So <clears throat> both of those forms of contamination, though, for China are a real problem because at the end of the road in China, it goes to a small local business, which is hand sorting, picking through the bales and sorting the different materials from one another. And all that contamination ends up in a big pile. And they don't have very sophisticated landfill or enough landfill capacity. So as a result, a lot of these extra materials get burned. That leaves a lot of smog and pollution. Wow. Okay, yeah. so the you bring it up so many questions for me here. So when they they would buy the bales, are they buying the bales? They are. They're paying a very low fee because the material was mixed, but it saved the recycling plants from having to sort plastics into every single grade, which can be quite expensive and and difficult. So it's cheaper for someone else to sort it and then I'm so I'm not going to sort it. Now, would the contamination and all these different um, mixed plastics that shouldn't be there, does that was it done because of the waste only or was it done because of the price? Meaning that while well, I'm paying you 10 bucks for the bale and I'm making that number up just to be clear um, for easy numbers, but it's got 20 percent junk in it. So I'm getting ripped off by 20 percent. Is that is that what's happening or is it just literally garbage? So there's, there's two overlapping to the World Trade Organization, China put a, a series of objections into environmental concerns and cutting off the trade of this material um, and avoiding, you know, the charge of protectionism or, you know, manipulation or, or any other sort of charge against it by way of using the environmental concern. Now, in my own research, it's a very valid concern. A lot of the plastics, um, certainly the plastic number three, six, and seven that got mixed in really has no market, and it never really has had a market. And just as we in North America would landfill it, the end person in China who buys the bale, those three, six, and sevens, they were sorting out and they were burning. But plastic's incredibly toxic when you burn it. It generates um, a lot of materials that are highly, highly carcinogenic called dioxins, and they persist in the environment. So they're really bad, and there's been a lot of illness in China. And, and discontent among the population. So that's valid. But another thing going on is China's realized every ton of recycling it buys from a foreign market, it has to pay uh, for in U.S. dollars. That's It loses on the exchange, and, it, and that's native dollars from China exiting the country. Meanwhile, within China, if they shore up their own internal recycling, those businesses that want um, post-consumer plastic Perhaps those businesses, rather than paying a U.S. firm or a Canadian firm and then importing it, perhaps they could pay a local Chinese uh, firm for it if the recycling was bolstered within China. So China has its own mandate to get 50% of its uh, consumption of scrap materials from internal companies by, I believe, the date is 2030. So, and, and part of that is the rise of the cost of wages in China as well, which makes this entire business less and less attractive. So there's overlapping environmental and economic realities here for China, why they're now pursuing something very different than they have been for the last 15 or 20 years. Were we all bets on the table? Like, were we all in with China, or what are other markets? The world was all in with China. Everybody. China consumed 40% of the world's scrap material in general, and in an even higher proportion of the scrap plastic and scrap paper. The, the attitude for China is voracious. One way you can look at it is they need to import a bunch of raw materials, and they don't have enough domestically. They make all the material, uh, or they make all the goods out of it, and then they export all the goods across the ocean. 
Um, those sea cans now are sitting in ports across the ocean and they're empty and they get filled up again with the used up materials that are now scrapped again and brought back and made into remanufactured and made good, more goods and exported again. The manufacturing heart of the world is China. Is it a good ecosystem or has China just caught on to the game saying, I just don't need you anymore? I think China is looking to steer a different path. I think for the environmental reasons and the economic reasons, it's looking to uh, sort of exit this business as the scrap material handler of the world. So you um, you said this recycling grades three, six, and seven, just really there was no economics there. And I want to reiterate this fact because I've heard this, but hearing you say it as an expert inside the recycling world, that those plastics and others, not exclusively, Typically, so I'm here, I sort my plastics, I put them in my bin, I send them away. I'm like, hey, look at me, I'm doing great things. But a portion of those plastics are getting squished, sent to China, and burned. Yes. So I'm not really doing a great thing. No. So this is not the recycling program that we thought we were doing, is it? Yeah, so in North America, as recycling, it had a lot of successes. Weyerhaeuser implemented a lot of cardboard and paper recycling. It employed people. It created plants. It lowered their cost of manufacture. It reduced the number of trees we had to uh, level. You know, there was immense benefits, and the whole recycling as a solution to environmental concerns came on. But there's big difference between recycling, let's say, metal, various types of steel. You can round it all up, and I, I'm being a little bit, uh, too simplistic here. I'm sure someone in the steel industry listening is like, well, that's basically true, but not exactly right. So I'm, I'm just generalizing here. But you can basically melt it all in the vat, uh, test it for its properties, and add a little more of this or that, more carbon, less carbon, whatever, uh, to get the properties you want. And then you can make something out of it that's very tolerant, rebar, car frames. So you've got a tolerant process. It can take a vast array of types of, of slightly different steels, and it can merge them into one, and then the product it makes isn't detrimentally affected. The same is very true of, of many of the different paper grades. It's true of many materials. It's not true of plastics. Even a plastic number one, like a PET that clamshells are typically made of, bottle grade PET number one and clamshell grade PET are totally different and have to be recycled separately. Hmm. Every individual grade of plastic needs to be recycled separately from the other grades, and then there are subgrades within the grades that need to be recycled separately from the rest of the grade. And then the product you make is incredibly sensitive to contamination because it can change the melting point, the smoking point, how well it resists UV, what temperatures it shears at. You only just need to contaminate that material with a couple of percents of the wrong type of grade or subgrade, and now your end product you're making isn't going to have the properties you need it to have. So plastic has always been, it's not the same as the paper and the steel and the aluminum and some of the other things we recycle. It's always been a problem. So clamshells are grade one. Yeah, you typically, but they know, but there again, they don't have to. You can find many clamshells that are made not from grade one, which is the next problem that when, you know, if we were back in the 70s, you could pretty much bet, okay, when I see this type of consumer product, it's this type of plastic. Uh Uh-uh, not anymore. Hmm. The amount of additives and the properties they get out of grades of plastics that used to not be able to show those properties, you know, stabilizers, UV stabilizers, things that make it more flexible, the additives, the whole chemistry of plastics advanced, and now they're using uncommon grades for things they never used to be able to before. 
Mm. And that makes it that much harder on the recycler as well. That's very true of number one, actually, because they laminate it. Like that strawberry container, the, the label, can it can be laminated into the, the number one plastic with a number of, of other chemicals. And actually, then when you try to recycle, it changes the properties of that PET. Mm-hmm. So now you have a subgrade of a subgrade. So you have one number one plastic, subgrade clamshells, and now you have a subgrade of a subgrade, clamshells that have this special lamination process that need to be recycled separately. So why can't the city do anything with the stuff they have? Okay, so I suspect strongly one of the issues, it was stored for too long. There is some food residue on it, and it gets rotten. Now imagine putting it in a sea can that's closed airtight for six weeks and out in the hot sun on the top deck of a, of a container ship, and then imagine someone in China or Vietnam or Indonesia or somewhere now opening that container. Hmm. So there's a, there's a way that I describe to my own people when they come on board in our recycling plants, how we have to think of this. Imagine you're on the ocean in a dinghy and there's a hole in it and it's taking on water and you need to bail out water. Well, as long as you have enough hands on deck and your bucket that you're bailing water is large enough and you're keeping pace with how much is coming in, life is good. But you start falling behind and you start to literally drown. And that's what happens oftentimes in this industry. Storing material uh, you know, and and being so uh, focused that this specific clamshell that was picked up on this date, we, we must find a home for it, it must be recycled despite all the market disruption, this is a bad strategy. This would be like in a dinghy saying all the water coming on board, well, you know, uh, my bucket isn't uh, isn't large enough, but I refuse to use a larger bucket or you know, et cetera. You're, it's just a... Uh, yeah, I get it. It's, it's, like, it's like, well, we'll just put all the water in the back of the boat and then the front of the boat will float. There, that's a better analogy. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, yeah, let's put it in the back. You no, know, you're still drowning. Like, it's this is, you know, you need to... It's like waves hitting the beach. They, they will never stop. If you can't keep up to what's coming at you, then you get pushed under. You know what it so sounds it, like to me, Lorenzo? We've got a lot more to learn in this conversation. Yeah. The, the recycling is not as simple as it appears, but... I also want to emphasize that 90% of what goes into the commingled recycling program is still has stable markets for it. The commodity values might not be great right now because of China didn't just do this on plastics. It did it on a number of materials, so like paper values and stuff are very low. But you can still find homes for it all. Plastics is a little bit more of a special case. Plastics are, are really difficult, but they're like 10% of everything that's picked up in the, uh, in the commingled programs. Can I put so, you on hold for one sec, Lorenzo? Because I want to hear this part. I want to hear the good of the recycling, and I want to come back and do that. Can you hang on? Absolutely. That's awesome. So this is Lorenzo Domini. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible, because we're already doing it, all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. He is with um, 
uh, GFL Environmental uh, about recycling. And the story comes from the city having clamshells that they can't do anything with. We'll get more from Lorenzo and recycling. This is mind-blowing to me. I had no idea. Coming up next, 770 CHQR. 770 CHQR, I'm Zach. We're just rolling up on 1 o'clock here, and on the phone is Lorenzo Domini. If you could just turn down your phone just a little bit there, Lorenzo, we got a bit of an echo. Um, he's Vice President, Recycling Council of Alberta, and Manager of Material Processing Municipal Development at GFL Environmental Inc. Now, you were sharing about recycling. You know, 90% of this is working. Is it working? Is it the system broken? No, 90% of it is working. The commodity values are lower. And because the commodity values are lower, it puts some financial stress on the system. But the nuts and bolts of it, we collect this, sort this, send it here, it's made into that. It's working. The 10% of materials that are some of these low-grade plastics that we were sending to China thinking they were being recycled and they really weren't and there is no domestic capacity to handle them, that's a tougher story. But that really only amounts for about 10% of the total. So recycling still works. And there's a, even though the economics of it become a little bit more expensive, um, every study I've ever seen, honest study, has shown that the local investment and the employment is actually stimulating to the economy. So recycling as a venture, uh, you know, is not broken. But there's certainly a number of problems we've accrued and we've left them too long and they do need to be addressed. In any business, if I have one vendor or one customer... I'm typically in trouble if my sustainability becomes hinged upon one customer showing up. That's all. That's right. If you ever want to talk to a business person about where'd you make your big mistake? Well, I had this one big customer and I put all my efforts into them. Yep. Did we do that? We did that. Oh man. China made it extremely easy and economical for North America, us to put in more and more materials into the commingled stream, make it more and more convenient for the user, and then not have to bear the costs of all the extra sorting by just externalizing those costs to China. And the story was China had much lower labor rates and they were able to do something we couldn't. In truth, really, the labor rates helped, but they were just burning the stuff that was a, that was problem that was a problem for them. Does burning it save energy over dealing with it other ways? I mean, I realize- well, if you don't have any engineered landfills or any collection and waste disposal infrastructure built and you've got a bigger and bigger pile of material outside your little recycling shop building in the back 40, eventually at some point, what do you do with it? Yeah. Well, their solution was to light a match. Hmm. It's incredibly damaging, though, and it's, it's, a, it's a poor solution. Is it better to bury it? Yes. Okay. An engineered landfill that's controlling leachate... Um, uh, it's keeping those materials stable and not allowing emissions to the environment is by far better than the option of burning it. Thank you for now, the information. There's, Sorry, go ahead. Recycling isn't a far superior option. It's reduce, reuse, recycle. Let's reduce how much of this plastic we're consuming. Yeah. Uh, let's reuse the plastic that we can and use it for multiple purposes rather than just single use. And then let's try to recycle it. But if you're left in the quandary of do I landfill it or burn it, there is no question. A properly run engineered landfill is far superior to burning plastics. Far superior. Thank you for the insight. We're probably going to reach out later in the week, Lorenzo, because I want to keep this conversation going. I think there's a lot of learning to be done. Lorenzo Domini, Vice President, Recycling Council of Alberta and Manager of Material Processing and Municipal Development at GFL Environmental Inc. Wow. Thank you so much. Thanks for the time. I appreciate the insight. You have a great day. You too. All right, there it is, 403-974-8255, 974-TALK. That went way longer than I thought it would because uh, that was a lot. The city...
cost, uh, it's almost $460,000 dealing with clamshells. York Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.